Welcome back to another episode of the Unfold Real Podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be talking about sound baths. Lots of you guys have so many questions. You've seen it on my Instagram. You've heard about it um, here on the podcast. And if you've um, looked into the Real Retreat, you'd also know that... um, that is a big part of what we're doing there also. If you want to learn more about the retreat, check out our website, realretreat.us, and you can get all the information there and also information on booking. We're going to be doing a lot of mindfulness. Amanda's going to be doing some work on happiness, and we have a workbook that we're doing and we're really excited about. Um, We're working on some um, prompts and stuff for you guys to help sort of develop different aspects of yourself. So we're excited about that also, but sound baths. So Amanda, have you ever had one even? No, no, I haven't. Why are you at my house when we didn't know, do this? This so is the last bad. day. We might have to do a sound bath even before we leave or something. I think we do. But um, the beautiful thing about sound baths is that the, really the ideas go back so far. Ancient times that we've, we've used music for how long in spirituality? Mm -hmm. I mean, every, I think every religion uses music. I actually don't know one who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Does every religion use music? Um, Christianity for sure. Hymns. Like. I know there's one religion actually that doesn't. I can't think of what it is. Wow. Because it's a pretty, because it's so stark. The only reason I know that is because it's so unusual. Yeah, it's so unusual. Or something like that. It's very unusual. It's an important part of, spiritual worship around the world. And the reason why is um, the Hindus specifically hold music and song very sacred because it's a way to not only calm the mind, but when your mind is calm, you're open to more spirituality, Mm -hmm. which, and, you know, I think a lot of people use music in general to calm themselves or to change their mood, you know, have a dance party or Mm-hmm. you know it, yeah yeah and if you go out with friends and you're dancing and you're exchanging that energy that way you can music plays that role but then also like meditation music or religious hymns play that part also but mm-hmm. you can tell that that music penetrates and the reason why is the vibrations which put, takes us back to the bowls the bowls themselves create sound and music so this is an example of a crystal bowl. This is um, red, but normally my other seven are white. Um, this one was handy. This is a C-sharp note. So the crystal bowls and the Tibetan bowls, like a lot of people have seen the sort of brass bowls. Uh-huh. I don't have one of those here, but the difference between the brass bowls and the crystal bowls is that the brass bowls have many tones within oh. one bowl. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a variety of sound. And the crystal bowls are true toned. So you'll have a true C note, a true B note okay. just for that sound. So the and so there, the approach is a little bit different. Is there any special reason this one's red? Um, no, not necessarily. Oh. They 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 some of the manufacturers have them dis- different colors for the chakras. But oh, okay. so this is technically the root chakra, the color's red. Oh, okay. Um but because that's associated with the root chakra. That's right. Okay. Um, but as far as like the functioning of the bowl, no, okay. It's the color red isn't necessarily, doesn't change the note or anything. Like right. That. But I figured it had some sort of significance yeah. and it's for I, the root. Chakra. I believe so. Yeah. You know, I didn't buy the bowls that were colored because, um, I suppose I'm a purist and the pure white bowls I like. Right. So.
So the idea of the crystal bowls is that the vibrations penetrate through the surface tension of our body and calm our central nervous system. There's a doctor who wrote a book called The Power of, let's see, The Healing Power of Sound. He had, he's Western practice, but he also learned Eastern practices and brought some of the Eastern traditions to his Western um, medical practice. He noticed that when he diagnosed his patients, they would take a spiraling turn for the worst and they would become more ill. They would, mm -hmm. they struggled with their diagnosis. They struggled with um, even accepting treatment. Mm -hmm. And so he, um, he had been practiced in meditation and um, yoga. And so he decided to do an experiment and he took a crystal bowl, like much like this. And the next time that he had a client that he, or a patient that he needed to diagnose, he actually diagnosed them and then asked them to do a practice with him with the sound bowl. Mm -hmm. And he played the bowl with them and then did a little breathing technique. And, um, he reported that his patients quickly took a turn for the better and they had more success in their Western, um, not diagnosis, but treatment, the treatment itself worked better. And he also noticed that that his patients reported a lot of self-healing, like things that they had tra traumas that they had gone through came up during the sound bath, even mm -hmm. just in his office. And he talked a lot about fears and, um, just emotions that arise right after the diagnosis and then followed up with them. It's a really fascinating book. If you have more questions about it, just go ahead and read the book. But um, we're going to dive a little bit more into like why sound healing is so important because a true yogi has, there's three aspects to that. And that is the physical, uh, the breath and the mind. And so when we bring the, the breath into our, the practice with the sound and our physical bodies, it, it's what kind of ties us all together. So doing, adding breath work in with your meditations is also very important. And we'll be doing some of that work on the cruise as well. Um, and during uh, the meditations that, that I'll be teaching you guys. And uh, if you guys are interested in, in meditations, you feel free to email us at unfoldreal at gmail.com because uh, there's plenty that I can share with you. And Ginger just told me I was doing my yoga wrong the other day. <laughs> I was like, you're only doing half of your yoga. Yeah. I so don't know. Amanda I don't was know like, what I'm doing. She's like, I get in the pose and then I don't want to stay there long enough. Right. Like my mind's too restless. Like, yeah. It's too hard for me to take the time. Yeah. So I experienced that early when I first was introduced to yoga, maybe, um, I don't know, I would say like 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm more of, more of a Pilates girl because the Pilates right. was more of more like active. interactive yeah. and, and it just was at my pace. But then as I got to learn about Hinduism, when I went through my faith crisis, I studied all religions that I could get my hands on. I'm mm -hmm. not saying I studied every religion in the world, but the main ones, Buddhism, mm -hmm. Hinduism, Christianity, um, and several others. But I realized that when I was studying Hinduism, they actually consider the way that the West practices yoga <laughs> as a cultural appropriation. And that doesn't feel very good because we're missing the other aspects of it. So when you go to a gym and you go to a fitness class and you 
do yoga, you're basically using yoga poses for fitness, for strength building, for strength building and whatever. I'm not saying every yoga class in every gym is doing it wrong or anything. I'm just saying I'm using very much like generalizations here. The, the just, just regular gyms, you know, fitness planet or whatever, whatever the gym is, they, they're not really doing yoga the way it's meant to be done. Yoga is meant to be a three part. And the first is getting into the pose, which is your physical body. And, and you're supposed to use your breath at the same time. And the combination of using your breath and your physical body getting into the pose. And then when you hold the pose, that's when you bring your mind down into your body and your and you allow your mind and body to actually connect during that time. So the first half, you can consider that being like the physical part. And the second half is more the mental part mm-hmm. and having the mental capacity to hold that pose and your mind does try to talk you out of it. Yeah. Like, this is hard. My legs are burning. Oh my gosh. When is this over? Right. What the heck? We're just past the warm up. <laughs> like, you know, you're into a 75 minute class and you look up and you're like, it's been 15 minutes. We have an hour left. <laughs> like, this is taking forever. And it's at that point when that mind work comes in. And you're able to actually connect your mind and body together and you get into more of a flow state. Yeah. So it's the practice of bringing those things together is what yoga is supposed to help you do. So if you're finding yourself doing yoga and you're like, oh, I don't want to hold the poses or, you know, I'm not flexible or any of those things, look into adding the meditative piece, Mm -hmm. the breath work and the mindfulness, because it really does round out the experience of yoga. Mm-hmm. But if you add sound bath to that, which is my preference, I love to add, I love to practice yoga with a sound bath because whether you're adding a sound bath to your religious practices, whether you're adding them to your fitness, whether you're adding sound bath to anything, it's going to deepen your experience. So um, using sound bath in meditation or prayer is going to, help calm your body to a place to where your spirituality can open up. So the sounds that the bowls make penetrate the surface tension of your body, like I said before, and it actually has a full calming effect on you. And not only does this help with mindfulness, but it also helps with hormone regulation. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about stress hormones and the effects of stress, um, we immediately start talking about inflammation And when we start talking about inflammation, we start talking about diseases like diabetes, autoimmune disorders, digestive problems, and that can all stem from an overactive immune system. Mm -hmm. And your immune system is directly affected by stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we pull back that coil all the way back, we'll see that regulating stress your, and your emotions and your central nervous system is vital to having a healthy body. And so people practice prayer, people practice meditation, they mm-hmm. exercise and a sound bath takes you physically deeper in any of your practices. So it's really not like a, it's, I sound baths aren't specific to any practice. It is its own thing. It's not Hindu. It's not Buddhism. It's not anything. A sound bath is just that. It can be done with music, 
out of the radio. You can, you can have a sound bath from a piano. It doesn't have to even be the crystal bowls. Mm -hmm. The crystal bowls just have their own way of penetrating mm -hmm. your physical body. That's a little bit unique because they're crystal hmm. and because they're a true tone and, um, and also the energy behind it. I mean, it's interesting because I think so often we look for some sort of solution that's like more complicated. Yeah. Like what could be easier than listening to something yeah. like it's or so just playing something effortless just play really no oh play my it. gosh just give it a dong i mean and then it's just so soft so hold this in your in your hand so that's gonna play oh us a little gosh. song it's gonna feel <laughs> great i'll tell you what's amazing because i just watched you do it for the first time live like i've yeah, never yeah. seen it before and it got louder as you went around the bowl. Like yeah. I really wasn't expecting that. I actually was thinking you were dampening the sound when you were doing that. And it just kept like it vibrating and out. vibrating. Yeah. yeah. And I've had people say, like, I've done a sound bath on my mom and she said that her eyes tingled. Yeah. Like, huh. like her body physically reacts. The bo my body physically reacts to the bowls. Yeah. I can feel myself calming down. I can feel, I don't know. I'm pretty sensitive though. In general, yeah. my in body. general, your body is very sensitive. Yeah. We talked about that this morning. Um, so you're gonna hold it like this, okay? Just like that. Give it a dong. Yeah, give it a dong. Scary. I like a ring-a-ding, ding. A ring-a-ding. <laughs> and then, so you think you have to push hard, but it's actually very light. And if you want it to go louder, you just increase the speed. very cool it's very relaxing right oh it's super relaxing like so, that's very cool the very cool thing is is when hinduism has so many beautiful things that you can integrate into your life when you start looking at the chakras and some people get like kind of torn up about chakras because it's been so commercialized and like when i first heard that word i'm like okay it's like cookie <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but then i actually read a few books about it and it really helped me understand the connection between mind and body isn't just in the mind and the body, but there's these energy systems throughout our whole body that are one thing. Mm. The chakra format just breaks it up for you. So yeah. that energetic field that we have between our mind and body um, that the chakras are talking about is one system, but the, it, they break it up in a way that's really beautiful that you can understand the seven aspects of your human experience. Mm. So like your root chakra represents the aspect of your life that is the traditions, your family, your habits, your patterns that maybe you were born with or mm. maybe developed here. That nature versus nurture mm -hmm. um, argument is right there in the root chakra. Like what part of you came from your experience versus what, you know, came from your bio biology. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter in the end. It's all about managing the experience, but, and then you move up to your sacral chakra, which is um, um, your sex hormones. It's your intimate relationships. And so how are your intimate relationships affecting your life? How are your, mm -hmm. you know, you start asking questions like that, right. that, that fall kind of in between your, your non-physical and your physical experience. And the bowls each have a note that corresponds with that chakra. So, so you, that's what I was going to ask. Because okay. this is a C, mm -hmm. but you said they all have different sounds. So that corresponds with the chakras too. Yes. 
every chakra has a color. Okay. It has a note. Okay. It has, um, and then it has sort of like an encompassed purpose. Okay. You know, so, so there is some, some parts, some people use the chakras in a really cool way where like, if I'm going to make a big decision in my life, I'm going to run that decision through each chakra, my root chakra. How will my family feel about this? How will I feel about this in relation to the traditions of my family? Mm -hmm. How will, how will my patterns of life be affected by this decision? And then you move up one chakra and you, and you say, how are my intimate relationships going to be affected by this decision? Mm -hmm. How am I, is it going to open me up or do I feel myself closing off? Then you look at your solar plexus, which is right above your belly button. This is your self-expression chakra. This is how, how will this help me express myself more, more fully? Mm -hmm. You know, will I have to minimize myself in order for this experience to be good? Mm -hmm. You know, that piece of us that minimizes ourselves to make other people feel good. That's like a closed off solar plexus mm -hmm. in my mind. And then we have our heart chakra, which is our guiding light, which is our pathway. It's our soul work. It's what, what leads us through this life, not using mind, not using body, but our soul path is mm -hmm. lies in our heart. So mm -hmm. it's like, does this make my heart, does this decision make my heart feel good? Mm -hmm. You know, then you have your throat chakra and you can look at your throat chakra. Like, am I able to speak to this? Can I express outwardly how I feel about this experience or like this decision? Am I open about it? Cause a lot of the times if things aren't good, we close off mm -hmm. what we want to say. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have your third eye, which is like your spiritual intuition and your crown chakra as well is, is you're receiving from the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So you can go through these, these energy systems. Once you understand the, the, the three dimensional view of each energy system, you understand how the mind and body corresponds there in that aspect of your life. It's not, people get really caught up in the location of the chakras, but it's just one energy system. That's just, that's just working continuously between your mind and body. So, um, but the sound bath, when we talk about chakras, we talk about aligning the mind and the body, it's calming down our physical experience so that our spiritual body can come forward. Okay. So we're going to calm down. We're going to use meditation to keep our mind awake and calm our body down. Mm. Our mind is awake, but it's like we train ourselves through different techniques to put our body to sleep and to completely relax our central nervous system so that we can get outside of our physical 3d tangible life mm. and into the spiritual aspects of ourselves, because energetically we're experiencing things totally different on the energetic field. Mm. And that a good example of that is when you're talking to someone and what they're saying isn't matching how you feel. Oh yeah. Like someone who's disingenuous, who's like, hi, like you can tell they're not happy to see you, but they're like pretending to be right. Right. So you feel that energetic pull and you're like, okay, I recognize that. That's not, <laughs> that's not authentic or right or whatever. Right. So you start looking at, you know, different, different ways to look at things outside of the mind and body connection and how they correlate. And once you can really dampen your physical body, then your spiritual life can blossom. And even this, this works really well with prayer too, mm -hmm. you know, and they like in the Christian world, you know, that ponder word mm -hmm. <laughs> called ponder. I don't right. know why I said that so weird. 
but to ponder is just to sit quietly and think on things. And right. that, to me, that is like pointing towards like what we do in meditation. Right. Also, you yeah. know. Well, and I think also in the Judeo-Christian world where you look at prayer as um, often being still yes. and waiting for inspiration. I mean, that's very, that's yeah. very similar as well. So combating your own thoughts and waiting right. for some kind of inspiration. And really when you start thinking about our own thoughts versus like how to determine who's talking in our mind, mm. that would be a great podcast. Yeah. We could talk on that. Yeah. And um, meditation helps me calm down that monkey brain or like my aut autonomous thinking mm -hmm. so that I can like get in touch with ginger that's observing that the, the ginger behind that monkey the real brain. ginger the real ginger yeah, yeah. right the god the the godhood that lies in each of us right. i feel like is behind that chatter brain that just yes. goes off all day yes so anyways do you have any questions on sound bass gosh i mean it's just so cool i think that we like barely scratched the surface but i think that gives you kind of like an idea of how it works and why mm -hmm. um but yeah, if you guys have more questions, feel free to reach out to us through email, unfoldrealgmail.com or Instagram, gingerific or amanda.buswell. And we'll see you guys next week.